0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
1: Baskin and Phelps, Dan Menigan is in today. Jeff is off. 216-474-0092. Uh we're going to bring in Andrew Brandt here in a second. Sports Illustrated, former uh agent, front office executive for the Packers. He'll join us here uh, in just a few seconds. I can tell you I had trouble waking up today, just to be honest with you. It's a, it's a hard turn to go from the morning show back to middays.
2: Well, and we're then such you're like creatures to, of habit. You I
1: know. know. I I can't. There were three times this week I was up at four in the there's oh. things going on. I'm sorry, but that's go. all right. I mean, I just don't sleep. It's, all <laughs> it's good. Really helps out with the sleep apnea. I got to tell you, though, I am looking forward to our next guest because he always rocks it when he's on with us. Former agent and front office executive for the Packers, working for Sports Illustrated. He's Andrew Brandt. He's on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram
3: Hotline. Hi, Andrew. How are you? How you doing, Andrew? Hey, guys. How we doing? It's a busy time for those of us don't really work on the game side of football it's the business side of football it really kicks into gear now and and my background as you mentioned I was an agent I was the uh, financial director for the Packers for many years and now doing media analysis of the business side it's much busier after the season than it is during the season it's counterintuitive because people think you know it's all about the games but the games are kind of secondary to uh, what we do
1: yeah, it's uh, this is really behind the curtain stuff, right? I mean, this is the best time of the year if you're. Well, I, I don't know if it's the best time. How stressful is it when you're sitting in that chair right now and you're trying to figure out cap stuff and you're trying to figure out your roster and how do I keep my own guys and how do I go out and get other guys? I, you know, the more I think about it, I'm I'm stressed out for you for what you had to go through.
3: Well, I think that you know people understand football operations with the coaching side. That's pretty easy to understand. The scouting side and the cap management side is all about the off season. And when the season starts in September, pretty much scouting and cap management are on to the next year. So like last September, everyone was on to 2024, except for coaches. Um, This is the time of year you build, you architect, you make sure that your team is assembled the way you want it for 2024. And it sort of never dawns on people that this all has to happen early. Like, on the scouting side, those guys have been grinding since mid-January, like putting the board together. That happens January and February. And then, with the combine and pro days, there'll be a little bit of a tweak, but not much. Pretty much everything's about the same. And then on the cap management side, like you said, going through scenarios and what happens if we cut this guy or keep this guy or extensions or free agency? What happens if we do sign these people or don't sign them? Who are we going to push out? Do they have guaranteed money? What's the dead money? All the different ways that the offseason can go, and you just have to be prepared for everything.
2: So the Browns right now are in a bit of a cap mess, but we know how – You know, the the cap gymnastics that could possibly take place to get them back under. What goes into those cap gymnastics, as everybody has started to call them, to make it that these teams can still spend money in free agent, even though right now it looks a little uglier on a cap number?
1: Andrew, still there? Oh, man. All right, we'll reconnect with him. Andrew, if you can hear us, we're going to recall you.
2: Yep, we'll call you right right
1: back. How do we all know that feeling, too? We're like
2: wonder if they're still there
1: so we're gonna give him buzz back
2: and it was one of those i asked that question i was like did i ask a really stupid question <laughs> did i, did I take him off and now he just hung up on me because i asked a really dumb question because i might have
1: hey don't sell yourself short it was a tremendously stupid question <laughs> no i actually thought it was a really good question i was like i was like is he taking time to think about this answer or was, is he
2: i thought i was like oh, God, did i just offend andrew brand <laughs> <laughs> he works for my favorite team it is one of my favorite people to read when he talks about him <laughs>
1: I, you know, you don't think about that like what he had brought up in the first answer about just how much goes on right now that, like, we're not – there's nothing to cheer about, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you're cheering you're at home, you're like, oh, I just read the story. Yay! You know, you're not at the stadium. I, I It is amazing to me how the NFL, a league that now plays 17 games and then maybe four playoff games, three, four playoff games, can just absolutely dominate the news cycle. For 365 days a year.
2: Do you realize we've had one week off in between the Super Bowl? Okay, next week, everybody is going to meet at a stadium and convention center in Indianapolis, and we will have a week of NFL news, all because guys who may possibly be drafted are going to run around in their underwear and that you can't see through, thank goodness, and can actually and are going to lift weights and are going to throw footballs, and that's going to build two weeks of content, and then free agency is going to start, and then that's a good chunk of content that's going through there, and then I'll go a step further. That Then the schedule release will come out. We already know the teams that all these teams are going to play. I'm going to tell you. Can I just be, be honest
1: with you? In some ways, I think schedule release is the most overrated thing in the history of sports. It is so oh, odd, and- because we know who the opponents are. All right, Andrew's back. Let's bring Andrew back. He is on the North Northumberland Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Yeah. Hi, Andrew. I got to tell you, Dan is. Dan was like, I think I asked the dumbest question ever. When he was trying to get hold you, <laughs> and then because we, we couldn't hear you. So, All right, where were no, we? Oh, sorry. That's oh, it's not. Oh, your you're one. fine, yeah. man. You're
3: fine. I was just yeah, wondering, like, service. I just, you know, just the cap maneuvers are not that difficult when you think about just changing bonus. I'm sorry, changing salary to bonus makes it prorated. That means you only have the prorated portion on your cap. This year, you push out the rest. Well, I always call it short-term gain for long-term pain. Mm. And you see teams like the Saints and Rams and Raiders always have to do that. The Browns have relied on Deshaun Watson's contract the past couple of years to create all that cap room. One day, they will have a surplus where they can just load the $46 million into that year, but at this point in their action, they're still pushing out that pain.
1: I, I want to ask you about some other things going on in the NFL. I, it feels like here in Cleveland, uh, because of the way Philadelphia's schedule is laid out, that that game two of the season on a Friday night could easily be the Browns and Philadelphia in Brazil. I'm just curious hmm. your thoughts on that. What it means for the team uh, to have to make that travel down to Brazil. And um, there's a good chance, you know, the the Browns are going to be on the road for two weeks because we've got a big concert coming up. So that's going to knock out the stadium for the next week. Um, just just your general thoughts on the NFL trying to play a game in Brazil and what if it's your team? What does that mean?
3: Well, the Packers, we resisted. And the entire time I was there to go to London or go to overseas, London was primarily the place then because it upsets Football people are very rigid and routine and it upsets the routine. And listen, I don't think it's a big deal with the, the, the way that teams travel. It's hard to believe that's really going to upset things. The good thing about game two, meaning the second game overall of the season is mm-hmm. that there's a week off before, as you know, there's only three preseason game now. And of course you'd have 10 days before the next game. So I don't know. You know, I think this is where we are. We have 17 games now. I think eventually we're going to get to a point where the 17th game for everyone is an overseas game. So this is the natural evolution of that. And the NFL, frankly, doesn't have much empathy for teams complaining about schedule because they all end up being eight on games, eight away games or whatever it is.
2: So... Andrew, when they're looking to, and Andrew Brandt joining us, of course, from sportsillustrated.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt. The Sunday 7 is always outstanding. A great read uh, along the way as well from Andrew every single Sunday in your email inbox. So what would be the other countries that could possibly be on there, be a a place that the – nfl could look i mean there. you know brazil was kind of out of left field for a chunk of us you know mexico city made some level of sense when they decided to hold the chiefs game there of course london of course germany and all that stuff is there like another hotbed of football that we're not thinking of that the nfl would want to go to
3: well it's all about revenue of course as it always is with the nfl we're trying to open up these markets the domestic market will eventually tap out you think that's impossible with the incredible Latin fatuation Americans have for the NFL, but media rights are already 110 billion over 10 years. It's gone crazy, but everybody wants more revenue. So where that's going to come from is overseas. Yeah. They've tapped into London. You know, I was involved with the world league and NFL Europe, Barcelona dragons. They cheered at the wrong times. They did the wave, (laughs) the entire game long. They didn't understand it. They didn't care to understand it, but they're talking about Madrid and it's a much more sophisticated than it was back then. They're talking about Asia eventually and Australia eventually. And they are frankly jealous of the NBA where basketball is much more of a global sport than the NFL. And I think it's hard because American football is hard to understand. It really, I went to the Germany game chiefs dolphins in November and Germany is a sophisticated football audience, but they're looking around like, what, is, what does this mean? A man in – illegal man downfield, or two? I mean, they, they're like, what? You know, it's, it's not an easy game to understand. So there has to be a learning curve.
1: Hmm. Um, Andrew, I just I want to go back to something you said in the beginning of the conversation about being an agent. And can you like can you explain to fans why? You know, we all think about the combine about guys running around in underwear. But there are just so yeah. many meetings going on behind the scenes. And walk me through it from a, I, I, you can either side. I'd like from an agent's perspective, when you're trying to represent a bunch of clients and you're trying to get meetings. And so, what is that like?
3: Yeah, well, I'll say it this way I went, I've, you know, I'm never going back to the combo and I've had my lifetime quota. <laughs> you <laughs> can't do any more
1: St. Elmo's. You've had enough shrimp cocktails. I was yeah.
3: Say, okay. Yeah. 20, probably 10 is an agent, 10 with a team. And as a team, I'll just say this at the Packers, you know, I'm staying at whatever hotel I would set up shop in the corner of the end zone. I'm sort of the corner of the hotel lobby. <laughs> and, and then I look over there. Oh, there's the Chiefs people. And over there, oh, there's the Broncos people. There's the Lions staff over there. Different corners of the hotel. I went to 10 combines as a Packer and I didn't see one workout and I was busy as hell. Wow. Because you have you have your own agents talking about extensions, you're talking about unfortunately pay cuts, you're talking about releases, you're talking about big new contracts for them, etc. And then you have the free agent agents where you're, you know, you can avoid any tampering by just talking about, hey, I see your guy's gonna be free, what would you be looking for? That's not tampering. And then of course I got frustrated because at Packers, we weren't too big into free agency, but I would see our agents for pending free agents be shopping around the whole time. And I couldn't even get on their dance card, and I'm the team that has them. You know. So that was frustrating. As an agent, you have your college kids now, your draftables, so you're selling them to everyone. And then whatever you have in the market, you're really trying to get those meetings with the teams. Sometimes they're uncomfortable meetings, too, because this is when you as an agent or you as a team would sit down with a player that's unhappy, unhappy about his situation there, his contract, his team, the way they use him. That's the time to have those meetings. So it's nonstop on the business side. And then, of course, the scouts are all looking at the workouts.
2: Andrew Brandt joining us. That's fascinating in itself that that much stuff is going on there without you even seeing a snap of football. Is that just due to having everybody in the same place at the same time, or are those conversations that are follow-ups to phone calls you've had earlier in the year?
3: I think it's what you said. That's the football convention. You know, a month earlier, as we know, is the Super Bowl. That's kind of the corporate convention on the football side. That's where you get together and you sort of have cocktail parties with your colleagues on the team side and you go to the commissioner's party. Uh, but in the business football side, where all the agents are, that's where, that's what the combine is. And I'll say this, you know, the combine is the start of free agency. I just talked about tampering, you know, there are agents for the big time free agents. They leave the combine. They know what, they know what they're doing. They know who they're signing with and for how much that's the reality. You don't walk away from the combine and then go to free agency two weeks later and have no idea. Of course they know. And they will pre-qualify the offers. So they'll walk out of the combine knowing I've got three teams that are going to give me 15 a year with a signing bonus of 35. It's done. And then it just becomes which team's going to really step up. So this all happens at the combine.
1: Uh, Andrew for Browns fans, I'm just curious your take on Andrew Berry and the job that he's done here and um can you evaluate and, and how should Browns fans feel about their general manager right now? It's a tough spot to be in sometimes.
3: Yeah, and I'm a I'm a biased fan because I'll tell you what. <laughs> I uh little personal aside, I have a home at a place called the Greenbrier Resort and the the, the, Browns, the pseudo home of the Browns, right? Yeah, we was there this summer? I got to spend some time with Kevin, who's a Philly guy. I'm a Philly guy. We got got along really well, and, and I was massively impressed with Andrew Berry. Just just a uh, an easy guy to be with. A guy that is businesslike and and cerebral, but also understands the football side. And just the fact that they were at the Greenbrier after a tough year the year before where they could sort of get together early and bond and just have this sort of away experience before they got into real training camp. That was his design. And I was really impressed with him and the whole thing. Listen, this team overperformed. Everybody knows that has the coach of the year. I think everybody's got to feel good about it.
1: That's fair. I, I always, from a fan's perspective, we sit here, we say, Hey, look at the move Andrew Barry made here. Look at the move that he made there. But I don't, you know, we're not watching him on Sunday. We're watching the results of actions with pens on paper, right, to see what he's been able to do. And I I, I like everything that, you know, there's some – the Deshaun Watson deal is still yet to be written, right, the history on this and what it means for the organization. But for everything else, Andrew seems like he's he's hit all the right buttons. Yeah,
3: and I think, you know – Listen, I just praised him. I was, as you know, a huge critic of the team about Deshaun. Not so much signing the player, although that can be heavily criticized. But the fact that they gave him a contract that if you're on the player side, you're like, oh, my God, here we are. We've arrived at Nirvana. But no one has copied it. So Jimmy Haslam has taken a lot of heat from his peers about a fully secured five-year contract, and nobody has replicated it. So we've had a pushback from the ownership side about that deal. Not Lamar Jackson, not Joe Burrow, not Jalen Hurts, not Justin Herbert. None of them have approached five years guaranteed. So this has set a mark, and they have been a, a target for people on the management side to say, what the hell are they doing? But Everyone's clapped back on that structure.
2: Does that surprise you that no one has matched it?
3: Yes and no. I was, you know, saying this could be the opening. Everybody asks me all the time, why don't NFL have guaranteed contracts like NBA, like Major League Baseball? And I said, because somebody's got to break the seal. And then this guy broke the seal. (laughs) But the owners, you can call it collusion, you can call it business, whatever it is, they decided not on their watch because they don't want to start the precedent that Watson hoped to create. So now it's not precedent, guys. It's an aberration.
1: So maybe folks aren't as mad at the Haslams as they were when it first happened. Drew? No, probably not. It's a great call. Hey, Andrew, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, Enjoy your time here. And, of course, we're always catching up to see what you're doing. Sports Illustrated, Andrew Brandt, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Andrew Brandt, of course, on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Hotline when we come back, college football playoffs. Could they expand again? Ah, here's a 2020.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: It is interesting to hear from Andrew Brandt. I mean, you get a guy that's an insider. And by the way, we just talked to Andrew. If you missed any of it, you can go to the odyssey.com app and listen to the Baskin and Phelps podcast. Um,
2: absolutely and he was outstanding his
1: perspective is so unique and i don't know that we have shared with the listeners what i mean you just said it in the break like here's a guy that was with the packers and then
2: he's the only one that's ever gotten out of the mob i mean it's the the packers operate like it's the mob they they always have and by that i mean they hire their own guys they bring their own guys everywhere they go i mean remember when the the browns hired john dorsey what did he do he immediately went and got Alonzo Hivesmith, Packers. He immediately went and got Elliot Wolf, Packers. He immediately went and found other guys along the way that they're like the mob. Like it legitimately operates like the mob. And it's almost like having Andrew Brandt out there as as somebody who follows this team. It's like having Andrew Brandt out there is like basically like John Wick leaving. The, the the mob and the hitman and all of that kind of stuff, and being on the outside and explaining to you what in the world is going on behind those doors. Mm. And that's why Andrew Brandt is awesome. And it's not just because of the Packers. It's because of his understanding of just how business of sports works because he was an agent on top of that. And then he worked on the cap side of things for an NFL team. I mean, that's why it's cool talking to that guy because he's just seen it from every that, single direction.
1: It, it, let me I just – because I, I, there's things I don't think about and then I just started thinking about what you're talking about. As a fan, is the Packers model better for you as a fan, or worse than what you know? The rest of the league is all owned. Uh, owned is that the right? All has owners.
2: It's so the best way to describe this is through somewhat of an analogy. So I can't. I think it was the Undoing Project, which was a, a Michael Lewis book. By the way, are they the out.
1: only team that doesn't have single ownership? I believe so.
2: Okay. Trying to think of other so public energy. I think it's the Undoing Project. I can't remember. The Michael Lewis books flow together, but they're outstanding and, okay. and always worth a read. But one of them in there is he talks about being with Daryl Morey and the Houston Rockets and um not Fertita, but whoever was in charge before Fertita took over. And he goes, having the owner in the room is like having the fan base in the room with you. Because nobody is more invested in this team than the guy who's paying the bills. And so you get the fans' perspective by talking to the owner of the team. And so you miss that when you're a team like the Green Bay Packers because they don't have an owner. You know, They do technically, but they don't have an owner. They've got a board. right? And the board is completely removed from everything that's going on and very much are like Mark Murphy, who's the president of the Packers. It's like you hire it, you run the football side, and you go. Brian Gutekunst, you go. You're not going to have an owner who's putting pressure on you. You're not going to have an owner that's questioning your decisions. You're going to have a board that's doing it. And it's a lot of people who aren't as financially invested as having someone who is a fan of the team yelling at you. So is it better as a fan to not have an owner? I, there's pluses and minuses. The pluses are your off seasons are more exciting because you're bringing in free agents. That's the nice part of having an owner. An owner's going to improve my team, make my team better. Let's get somebody in here who can help me now. Because that's how fans think. How do I make my team better? The downside you know, of that is that the Packers are very much draft-oriented. We bring somebody in. In the first round, they're not taking the sexy wide receiver. They're taking the left guard. They're taking the center. They're taking a the linebacker. It's why it made me laugh for years and years that they were like, oh, yeah, first round, we've mocked a wide receiver to the Green Bay Packers. It's like, hey, right, sure you did. And that's what's going to happen. No, they're going to take a tackle. We know these things. They're going to take a safety. We know these things. Like, there are positives and negatives to it.
1: Gotcha. What else did we get out of this Brandt interview that we just talked about?
2: I thought his international stuff was outstanding, of trying to explain all sorts of the international thoughts that are taking place with this. And, of course, you know, the Browns in the middle of it when it comes to going to Germany. Um, A ton of people are pointing to the Browns as the team that are going to join the Philadelphia Eagles when it comes to going to Germany. No, it's and a, I, Brazil you mean. Brazil, sorry. Brazil. And the reason I said Germany is just because that's what Andrew Brand ended up talking about. Yeah. And it's so funny because I think listening to this, we kind of get in our own little bubbles, and we don't totally realize that, like, the sport that we all love and the sport that we all follow is really a pain in the butt to explain to people who have never watched it before mm-hmm. <laughs> and didn't grow up with it and all that. And it was funny because Andrew Brand had that to say.
1: It's interesting. But he was there for, I mean, he I think he was there in 91. Mm-hmm. He was in uh, the World League of American Football at that point, and then his team lost in the first World Bowl. But, but that seems so long ago. Um, but he's right. I mean, think of. Yeah, but it takes time. Like, I, I don't know if I've, I think I've shared the story with you before. I, I may have even told the story the last couple of days, that when Columbus got the Blue Jackets, and I got to tell you, Columbus was a great hockey town as far as, the ECHL, which for you know baseball fans would be Double A, and I mean they sold out the old Fairgrounds Coliseum over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again enough so that when the McConnells and the Wolves and and all those uh, the big money names down in Columbus at the time went to the NHL and said, "Hey, we want a team in Columbus," that the Chill kind of laid the foundation because they it showed it could be a great support down uh, for hockey there. Flash forward to the fact that they got a team and then they were having an exhibition game. And man, I can't remember if it was at the shot and seat center, if it was at nationwide. It's probably nationwide. It wasn't nationwide. And it was a preseason game. And anyone, you know, if you know a little bit about the game, like there are times when a penalty ends, a goaltender will bang their stick on the ice to let everybody know the penalty's over. And it was, it was a moment I was like, I couldn't believe this happened. And I'm like, this is going to be an NHL town. And the goaltender was taking a stick and banging it on the ice to let the guys know the penalty's over. Well, as he starts banging it on the ice, the fans start going, and they're clapping along. So, like, they thought that the goaltender wanted the, the fans to clap in unison while they were playing, but yet it's just a, it's a normal part of the game. If you've ever watched it on any level, you know that the goalie's, like, trying to let everybody know the penalty's over. And I'm right. like, man, Columbus has got a long way to go. But flash forward, you know, 25 years, and Columbus is a very good hockey town now. And I look at all the rinks they have around there. and but the, I mean, they've done a fantastic job, the Blue Jackets have, of expanding it. So what, what I'm talking about, even here in Ohio, is what's going to have to happen overseas if you're going to expand the NFL game. He's right. I, I mean, I think about it. Some, I mean, like, we know the game. Like, I think everybody I'm talking to right now Knows the game. Like, you see a flag go, and you have an idea of, oh, that was holding, or that's a legal man downfield, or that's that. I mean, it's, it's like a natural muscle memory for us to know, up oh, I think it's a hold. I think I, like, yeah. We all do it, and I'm sure 95% of our listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. But now, put that overseas, and it's, to, it's not only is it a foreign language game, it's even 10 times worse because you don't understand what's going on.
2: We grew up with this. We've grown with the game. I don't know how long it's been to the people listening. I don't know how it's been long it's been for you to sit there with someone who has never watched football before and attempt to explain American football to them. I mean, you confuse the snot out of them so quickly. And it's so easy uh, to completely befuddle someone on what's taking place on the field. It is a complicated game. As much as we all want to sit here and talk about how simplistic it can be, there's a level of complication to it. I had a very good friend who tried to learn football. She had never really watched it. She would never really paid attention to it. And it took her a year and change to get the penalties down. And what penalty constitutes what? Then throw in the fact that us, who talk about this every single day, who listen to it every single day, I could start a bar fight right now very simply by going, what's a catch? Right? Explain a catch. Like the simplest thing that we could all understand. I mean that's a twenty minute conversation. What's a catch? What?
1: And then throw in <laughs> if you have a fair catch on a kickoff, you can kick from that spot and give up your downs.
2: I have a feeling when you use that ninety five percent, I have a feeling eighty percent of the listening audience knows what you're talking about on that. And fifty's like, what? That's a thing. And then the
1: great part about it is we end up changing the rules every year anyway, because the owners are like, um, oh, We need to protect the quarterback a little bit more. So now holding becomes something different than it was a year ago, much like traveling has changed over the years in the NBA. 216-474-0092. That is the number to call in. Uh, I want to talk about college football, the expansion, the playoffs, what's going on there, and then rights fee stuff uh, with the NCAA as far as the the players are concerned and using their name image like this. So we'll talk about that. Plus, Brian Anderson
0: coming up in a little bit.
1: Brian Anderson, about twenty minutes away, right here. Baskin and Phelps, Dan Menegan is in today. All right, we haven't had a chance to talk about this, so I'm looking forward to your uh, your reaction to this college football. What was it on Tuesday? They decided they were going to a 12 team playoff for college football with um, what one, two, three, four get buys, then five plays 12, six plays 11, seven plays 10, and eight plays nine. Plus, you'll have home games, which means huh, we're going to see some SEC teams come up north and play some games in December. I hope that's the way it works out. Um for the first round. So just and the other thing too is that there there's going to be a day there's a Saturday in December where they will collide with the NFL during these playoffs. So you'll have big time college football and NFL play or NFL games, sorry, Saturday games that will collide during this uh time of football which we've never seen before
2: I wonder how long that's going to last to begin with
1: I think they're going to figure out a way that they don't play at the same time
2: right I, I wonder if out,
1: even if it means the college football game has to start at 11 on that day and the NFL game starts at four thirty or 5
2: yep I can't see them overlapping I, I maybe they do it for a year but then everybody realizes that's a bad idea because we're splitting a number so why not split the number when we can share the number I love it. I love the 12-team playoff. We've screamed for it for a while. I, first round on campus, outstanding. That's the way that it should be. You should at least have that on campus. That That is going to be electric. That's going to be awesome to watch, especially exactly what we're talking about. If LSU has to go to the horseshoe, or if Alabama has to go up to Camp Randall, or if anything like Florida has to go play at... Illinois, if Illinois becomes a powerhouse, that's going to be worth it. That's going to be so cool to watch the snow coming down as these teams are going against each other at these giant stadiums. I- I'm pumped for that in itself. This works. This I am too. I
1: do think, though, we're going to see some blowouts. I think there are going to be 5 12 blowouts. And, and I also think, like, if 9 10, 11, or 12 pull off the upset one week and then they have to go up against 1, 2, 3, 4 yeah. in the second week. We're probably going to, you know, even though there's euphoria of winning that opening round game, probably on the road, would be on the road. um, Then you'll end up going up against one of the big boys.
2: Right. We're going to run into Tulane running into, you know, the juggernaut of team of the year. You know, we're going to this is going to happen. We all know it's going to be the fact. Okay, fine. This is what you sign up for in the same way that you're going to sign up for. Uh, the one eight series in the NBA, or I should say, the one slash bottom winner of the play-in tournament series, in the same way that you're going to run into the the one sixteen matchup in the NCAA tournament. Like you're always going to have that be the case, especially if you're going to work off of that uh, five and seven. You know where you're going to have the at large bids and you're going to let the group of five in there. Like yeah, it's it's going to happen. The talent levels aren't the same, but I think overall this is this is exactly what we want. This is a win. Um, I,
1: I I did catch you know, when I was driving home, or I don't know if I was driving home, or at some point during the day, I heard you guys talking about the formatting system for the sixteen or for the eight team. I'm no, sorry, for the twelve team tournament, right? And kind of talking a little bit, and I know Jeff kind of chimed in on the sixteen team tournament. I, I wonder when this is all said and done, because now they're talking about expanding to fourteen, and I'm wondering how that'll look. And where they 'll determine to give buys and do so like right now, one, two, three, four have the buys, so you know I, and i 've talked about it before, I was lucky enough to cover the old one aa which is FCS, and they were they used to be a 16 team tournament, mm-hmm. and to me, like when Jim Trussell was racking up national championships at Youngstown State, that was a 16 team bracket. Then, somewhere along the line, they decided we 're going to go to twenty four. So you've got a 16-team opening round, and then the second round, those teams, those high, there there are eight teams that are seeded. They all got buys, and so if you go back and look at this year's, right, that's where you're at. So it's 16, and then that'll give you eight, and then you move into the next round, and then there's eight more. So you still have, you know, eight more games in the second week, in the second round. Um, I. I don't. I, to me, that's too many football teams. Yes. Like I think, and to be honest, I, I was. I heard Jeff say. I think Jeff said sixteen was the right number, right?
2: Yeah. I. It was. So now 14 or 16, we'll be at fourteen.
1: If and and the other thing I think we learned too was when they had their big meeting the other day. We're like, we're like, why is this only going to be two years of twelve? Because money talks, yep. and if they can get to fourteen, they'll take two more games.
2: Absolutely. And more than anything, then you can benefit your back-slapping bowl buddies along the way that you've been taking care of for as long as you have. I mean, that's the other side of this. And so, like, first round is on campus. Great, it should be. They're getting rid of the restrictions for the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Peach Bowl, all of their bull well, buddies. Well, the Rose Bowl
1: was the hard one. Yeah. Right? The, the Rose Bowl, I mean, it took forever for the Rose Bowl to kind of get on board with, hey, there's a chance you may not get a Pac-12. Yeah. But now they have no choice because the Pac ten doesn't even exist.
2: Yeah, it's the Pac Two.
1: Yeah. So. Which they
2: got a new commissioner, which good for them. He's a, they're in charge of two teams.
1: All right, so I but overall do we think that, I think this is good for college
2: football. I think it's perfect. This is what we've all been screaming for. The only thing that scares me is I am I like to keep the playoffs small. I and I know there's boatloads of money in all of this stuff. But like I'm a small playoff person because I I don't like the randomness. I don't like the this team caught fire and is now finding its way into the the playoff and the final, and then we memorialize them in a way that says this was the best team that year when that's not the case. And so I want the best teams during the regular season to be the best teams at the tail end, to truly be those best teams. And so the more teams you let in, the more randomization you get with it. And that's what I don't care for.
1: You know so I I looked at <clears throat> excuse me I looked at the coaches poll and I looked at AP for the year and you try to kind of juggle did they get it right you know what I'm saying like how many teams sorry wouldn't be in the 12 to get in for next year and you know the coaches and even the AP and and whatever you know they they figure out for these teams it was just kind of the ordering of the way things went down. Texas and Georgia were kind of flipped a little bit between three and four, but otherwise, you know, maybe uh, but Florida State was six on both, Oregon, Missouri. It was like there's there a lot of, um, I'm trying to think, uh, not comparisons, but they, they to pick the teams, if you would have taken this year's teams and put them in the playoffs, I think they it would have been pretty easy to figure it out. Notre Dame finds themselves in a weird spot, right? because they're not going to get one of the, what is it, uh, it's five now. They won't get an automatic berth because they're not in a conference. But, I mean, they, they built it, so they will.
2: Yeah, Notre so. Dame will be in there. If Notre Dame is good enough, they'll be in there. You know, if they win enough games, all that kind of stuff. The, the big thing that's going to come from this, especially on the college football side of things, that's going to involve more change than anything, is the fact that we're going to be in a position with the way that these conferences are going, Big Ten, SEC, especially those. There's a lot of big-name schools and a lot of tough matchups and a lot of times we're going to run into situations where we're going to have teams with two losses, three losses, and that's going to be commonplace. And it's not because of the days of old where, okay, we blew through the Big Ten East, Penn State was the big test, Michigan was the big test got through those life is good. Now it's going to be okay, here comes Oregon. All right, now you have to face Washington. All right, here comes USC. So then Michigan, then Penn State, like like all of these schedules have become harder on top of it. If you
1: look at the teams that were like 10, 11, 12, two losses, three mm-hmm. losses, two losses, three losses. So I would expect it to be that way. You're going to get a three-loss team in there. So I maybe I, you know, Maybe my fear of having a, you know, blowout in 12 versus 5, maybe it won't be as bad as I think it is. No. You know, because the 12 team is still going to be a 2-loss team or a 3-loss. Maybe uh, it'll be the best 3-loss team. Now, when you go to 14, you're going to be working your way all all through the 3-loss teams.
2: Yeah. That's going to be the part that's interesting is – what does it look like when you're making an argument between, and I'm picking a team out of the sky here, a one loss Coastal Carolina team that played a kind of a, an easier schedule than what you would expect, or the three loss SEC team that had to take down Tennessee, Oklahoma, Texas, you know, had those games on the schedule versus the one loss Coastal Carolina team? That's where it's going to be a really interesting argument, and that is the only place that I could see where maybe you get that one group of five team that's in there, maybe a second group of five team that's in there that might run into the blowout situation that's there because the one lost Coastal Carolina team that railroaded everybody else on their schedule, well, they should be in there. They railroaded everybody on their schedule. Yes, it was a light schedule. They may have only had one or two ranked opponents compared to, again, Tennessee where let's say they had to go through Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia. You know, a, a little bit tougher Here's of a Here's what you're going to
1: get, and, and let me just, I'll, I'll wrap it up at this point. I will never forget Northern Illinois playing Florida State in 2013. And sitting in the commissioner's office uh, with Dr. Steinbrecker and just listening to Kirk Herbstreet rip this game up and down because Northern Illinois got the bid to play in that game. And I was like, so now I wonder how this is going to look like next. And then, you know, Herbie was like, well, you know, I'm a big, I'm a Mac guy. You know, I'm from Ohio, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, I was sitting there with the commissioner and the look on his face at that point, I was like, oh, my God, I feel so bad for him because they were getting just annihilated on TV. Meanwhile, Northern Illinois only lost that game 31-10. So when it was all said and done, but we're going to have more games like that. And I'm okay with it because one of these days, Northern Illinois, can't. Akron, maybe they'll get a shot on that bottom and and have a chance to get in there, especially if they go to 14. Brian Anderson next, Baskin and Phelps with Dan Menigan.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,